Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Welcome, everybody, to the Family Biz Show. I am your host, Michael Columbus, with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. And we have an extraordinary show for you today. We are blessed to have Hinal Turner with us today um, with the All In Company. And we're going to be talking about everybody's hot button right now, um, attracting and hiring and putting those pieces together. This market has been crazy. All of the CEOs and family business businesses that I speak to, this is what's on their mind right now. So really excited to have you. Welcome, Hino. Really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and and talk to you know your your audience and your your business owners and especially those who own who have the business kind of in the family i get it i i've worked for wor worked for you or your a very similar organization <laughs> perfect um why don't you you know like we always say tell us about your journey um we we that'll give us a little background to you know where did you where did you start where did you kick off and how did you end up doing what you're doing right now yeah you know it, it's so funny that you asked that because um because I I never I don't know if you've ever met um, an HR person who who intended to go into to HR who was like oh I I have to be you know recruiting and hiring and and that was definitely not my my starting point so you know I actually started off working um, for uh, a um, political like in the political arena so I worked um, for a state senator I was just really interested in um, in helping kind of the public and like, I, I really believed in the um, state senator that I worked with. And then from there, I went, um, finished college and went to, to law school. Um, and then from there, I said, you know what, I, um, I've got to change it up. I think I need more human to human interaction. So in the law, in, in law, you know, you work very closely with the codes and the, and, you know, matching your facts. And they're just like, oh, okay, I, I need more human interaction. Like I can't write, write briefs all day. And so, um, so then I said, okay, let me, let me see what I could do. So I took a bunch of um, introduction classes and I did, and one of them happened to be introduction to human resources. And that's where I said, oh, this is it. And so I started as an intern and then um, got into um, an in-house HR role. Um, and that's where I worked for a, a business who had about like um, 60 or 70 employees. And then we had the recession and then the recession brought us back down. Um, and that was a really cool dynamic um, because there was the business owner and she had a, um, a background in accounting. So she was like very well 
she was familiar with um, that accounting function. And of course, like most business owners, into the numbers, into what what the bottom line was. But she also had this like extended um, understanding of things. Um, and then from there, I worked um, at uh, Paychex, so right there in Rochester. Um, I worked out of the office here, of course, um, in uh, California, but I've been to Rochester a n- number of times and um, I love it. And Gelson's, good stuff. And then <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Paychex was really cool because what I did was I consulted with small businesses. So businesses who wanted to outsource their HR function, I we helped them with that. So it was just um, a product that you could, you could add on. Um, and so I worked with over 200 business, small businesses, um, to help them with their HR needs. And then from there, um, one of the, um, uh, I partnered with, um, with one of the, the business owners and, uh, here we are at the all in company, uh, focusing on recruiting and hiring and retaining employees. Okay. Um, talk about if you would, um, what is, you know, what is the all in company and what do you guys, you know, what are the services that you provide at this point? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we help business business owners with uh, recruiting, hiring and retaining five-star employees. So we have a flagship program for business owners who want to, um, to really learn more about it and, and get a process and get an objective process in place to help them hire sort of the elite of the elite, the five-star employees. One of the things I always tell the business owners that I work with is that regardless of the position, there is always somebody that is, as you call it, a five-star or an a, I call it an A player, mm-hmm. find an A player in the pay range and you know in the job if you have a really good hiring process, but you really need to get that tuned up. Absolutely. Yeah. So like I, we love, um, we definitely understand and roll with the A players, the the top grading philosophy. And like, um, it's, it's true. Like you, the talent is out there and you can always find the person that you need in that pay range that you need. I mean, think of it, right? Like if I'm going to go and get a cup of coffee is, uh, I just get, you know, a cup of of coffee, maybe a little, I, I drink it black, but maybe cream and sugar that's going to run you a couple dollars rather whether I'm at Starbucks, McDonald's or 7-Eleven. If the range is like a 10% differential, it's the same idea with your employees. You're going to find that person in the range. You just really got to go get it, you know, drive the extra mile. <laughs> so when we look at the market right now, this is such a hot topic for everybody. You know, we went through COVID and I, I think that changed a lot. Do you have any thoughts or insights that you want to share in terms of just like, how did we get here today? What's going on that this labor market is so, well, I guess challenging might be the right word. It's competitive. Um, it is a lot of people. It's hard to find employees at, mm-hmm. you know, at one level or another. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I think in, in like right now and today, like the market is, um, is different than any of us have, have really faced before, not to say the economy in general and, and the market itself have, have not faced a challenge like a pandemic before, but the people in it right now, the, the workforce, like the, the, the Z's, the generation, the, all the, the boomers and 
generation X, Y, Z, whatever it is now, there it's their first experience, right? So, um, and so that's kind of created this ripple effect where, you know, people, um, so the people who were in a current job, you know, like myself, right? Um, I got, maybe I got used to, to working from home because everybody, you know, everyone kind of said, okay, we, we can't work from the office anymore. Like, let's, let's take a break and let's go home and businesses and employees, they made it work. Right. And so they started having so much more of a, a blended life and they started realizing the flexibility was so important to, to the individual, to the employee. Um, and now so many businesses have made that flexibility a priority where it's also become a, a high value and a higher retention strategy for business owners. So if you can rem, if you can remain flexible and, and that doesn't just mean work from home, but it means in your hours and your scheduling, you know, that is a, um, a hot topic and a like four, I think the number was like 44% of people. I was just looking at some surveys said that uh, that if they would re remain with their employer, um, because of the flexibility that they offer. Um, so that's a little different. So before I feel like um, the 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 employer, right, the one who's paying me set the rules and set the standards um, and set the expectations. But now um, there, there seems to be a slight change where I think even um, the employee, the one who's like being recruited, um, has a, has a little bit of weight like more than more than ever before. And I think business owners are are struggling with that because they've always they've always set the table, right? Some of the data that I was looking at, because this was, you know, everybody's talking about it and we serve a number of business owners. So I, you know, have spent some time looking at looking at it, but I think there's a, a vacuum effect. I think, you know, the some of the upper management or C level or just, you know, inside of a lot of these companies when March of 2020 hit, you know, they did, tried it for three, four, six months and just said, I've saved enough. I'm ready for retirement. I'm, I didn't plan on retiring, but I do not want to do what we're doing anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they, I, I think there's a lot more retirees that opted out, um, even though they would have worked for another five years had things not changed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that caused a vacuum effect where it's like, okay, now let's get, who's going to take that person's place and mm -hmm. add that to what you just said. And I think that's just a recipe for exactly why we're, we're at where we're at today. Right. Um, and then, and the people themselves. So like the, the organizations who, um, you know, who had a, like a lot of time, especially in, in um, small businesses, you find that the people who are just the superstars in their department, they're, they're the ones who, who people think is, okay, well, not that they're wrong, but they're naturally inclined to say, okay, let me promote this person to the manager and mm -hmm. because they're doing such a good job. And, um, but then they fail to, you know, train the person on how to manage other people, manage other humans. And then you take, and that usually you kind of can get away with it when you're, you know, in person and with other people around to to talk ideas through and such. Um, but managing people remotely for the first time it is difficult, especially if you've had no official training, right? 
Um, so it's a very, and, and people, so like the employees, they probably were like, well, I'm not gonna, I don't want to be yelled at in my own home. Like, I'm not, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, that makes, it makes a big difference. So you started the company in last year. Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm sorry. So I didn't start the company, but yeah, with the company started um, yeah. last year. Yes. Okay. Um, what, let's, let's just jump right into talking about recruiting. Cause I think right now that's, what's the biggest thing on everybody's mind, but I love the, the fact that, you know, we can talk about recruiting, talk about the hiring process. And then to your point, what do we need to do to retain these people? So once we have them in the house, we don't want to be losing people, especially if they're that five-star employee. Mm -hmm. um, so when you talk about the recruiting process, what are some of the keys that an employee, you know, an employer, a CEO, a business owner should be thinking about when they're going through that recruiting process today? You know, the first, one of the things that you have to do as the business owner um, is, is really differentiate yourself. And, um, and you need to get really specific about what you're looking for. And that goes from, you know, you, everything in your job postings, like down to the interview questions that you're asking. So for instance, um, one of the, one of the biggest, you know, things I see missing from the recruitment process or the recruitment strategy today is, you know, if I pull up a job posting on LinkedIn, I don't see the core values. And so when I think of, you know, core, obviously core values are core, right? So you think about as a business owner, um, and this works especially well for, you know, family businesses, because you have to think about how did I, like my husband, when, when my husband and I first met, um, we learned more about each other, you know, every day. And some things still surprise me. But one thing that doesn't surprise me was, that we wanted to raise our children the same way. So we're, we're you know, advocates for education. We're academics. We, um, we're very respectful. We care so much about the family. Like, you know, he considered, um, okay, let's find a place with a, with a full, full bedroom and bath on the first floor because, you know, when parents move in and, and all this stuff, right. And that kind of like value isn't in, instilled at him from his parents and his family. And those are the kind of people who I want to spend the, my life with. And I also want a community at work. So wouldn't it make sense that the people in my workforce or in my workforce share the same core values as me? So for example, you know, um, it's so important to me for say as a business owner to um, to pay attention to detail, right? Um, so that means we double check, we triple check everything the, the material we goes out is like an accelerated level where we don't just quickly rush through something and send it out. We really pay attention to detail. Um, and so that means every single person in my organization, the, uh, the value needs to align there. They also need to be that because if, if they don't, aren't they going to piss you off? <laughs> so you're, you're, you're singing my song. I love what you just said. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit so people really can dive into this. So number one, I would say take it even up one notch. Make sure you're doing the work around your core values within the company. What you said, I've never heard packaged that way before, talked about that way. I love it. You have a set of personal core values. And when you were looking for a spouse, you know, you need to make sure that those core values are lined up. 
I bet you that you and your husband have some values that are different from one another. Mm-hmm. as well as everything else. But the core values needed to be aligned. Otherwise, you would never have stayed together. You never would have, you never would have gotten married in the first place if right. the core wasn't there. Right. So for a company unpacking their core values, it's not just the values that you write down on the business plan that says, here's mm. what we aspire to be. What the, it's the, not aspirational values. That's correct. Yeah. It's core values. And that's where this the confusion is, I mean, you can have, like, you should have aspirational values, but the people need to ha- need to have, you and your core values need to be aligned. So you need to think about as a business owner, what's important for you 100% of the time. Is it creativity? Is it something um, like, of course, is it like honesty? Is it um, attention to detail? Is it, um, you know, what is it, right? And so like, we, of course, can, um, like any of your listeners, like they can send me an email and I'll, I'll run this exercise with them. No problem. But it's the idea is like first understanding what your own core values are and then, and talking about it all the time, not only to your employees, but to your, like in your recruitment strategy, because if it's so important for, for, to you, then it should be front and center in your recruiting process, because you want to attract the people who share those same core values. And if they're not excited about paying attention to detail, giving excellent customer service, you know, um, then, then they're not the people, the right fit for your organization in the first place. Yeah. One of the things I love that I um, can't remember who I, who I got it from, but basically it's what are the core values that are live and well in your business today, right? So it's like, you want to make sure that when you walk in there, here's what we said our core values are, and they align, and you can feel them. You should be able to walk in there and not say anything. And you or I could walk in there, and after a day or a week of just watching everybody, we can see what the core values are. We can feel the core values based on the interaction that we see between people, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other thing I think that's important is that you really mean it. It's not just you say it, but like if somebody goes against the core values, one time they get a warning, a second time it's, you know, this is it. Third time you're fired. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, you know, absolutely. You fire somebody for the core values. You'll never create that culture around those things. You just, be, you just end up getting stew. You get right. mishmash. Yeah. I mean, and plus like you, you know, everything that you, you do in your organization is, is going to be tied to, um, to those core values in some way or another. So, uh, so if somebody is, um, is, you know, being combative, if somebody's rolling their eyes when they receive feedback, if they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's, let's step back a little bit. Tell me, tell me how you're being an excellent team player. <laughs> right, right, right. If team player is important to you, that you better align those things. And then if you're putting that in your, in your recruiting strategy, if that's in the ad, those, when somebody sees those core values that align with their core values, they're going to want to work inside your company. Right. And if, if you, if you just go and do, if you just look at, you know, five Indeed ads right now for job postings. I don't think how many of them are going to have the core values. Probably and, zero. 
probably zero. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, for we, you know, five-star employees, they only represent the top 15% of the of the workforce at the given rate. Uh, and that's, that's okay. Like, we don't want you to settle. Like we want, we want lifers, right? I mean, especially if in, in, I mean, there's, we're not, I didn't, I left a big corporate company, <laughs> right? I, I want to work for a smaller family business because I feel like there's much more like connectivity there. So I can connect, I can build a family, right? I can build my own little work family and, and I love it. Yeah. I love that piece and uh, core values. I do think are so important. The other piece, you know, what are some of the other things when I'm recruiting? What are the things that, you know, as an owner, I've got to start thinking about that I might not have thought about already? Yeah, you know, um, one thing I I would think through is um, is just a very practical practical solution I have is is how are you truly evaluating the skill set of the person that you're hiring, right? So if you ask me right? How many words can you type a minute? No, 200. Is that true? Who knows? But you don't know. I don't know because you didn't test me, <laughs> right? And so now there's so many things that you can do um, when you're looking inside. And so you, again, you have to look inside and be very specific about what you're looking for. So if I'm, if I'm hiring for like, we helped a client recently and she was hiring for a creative position and the position was um, a digital marketing uh, organization and the role was, okay, let's look at this piece of content and write copy for it and um, kind of create a, a campaign on social media for this. So what was so the skills test that we kind of naturally came up with was, um, you know, send us some samples and then we're going to send you this to look at and review and you're going to actually do some of the work that you would be doing in the role. And then I'm going to receive it back as the business owner. And because let's face it, it's you who's doing it right now. So let's, let's take a look at it and I'm going to evaluate it objectively. And now I've got, I've started this objective um, process to review the candidate because it's, because there's, you can train, but you do need to, to have somebody come to the organization with the skill set if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. So I'll, I'll share this with you because what you're talking about just makes me chuckle because of the mis we all learn from our mistakes. I'm a, you mentioned top grading before. I'm a huge top grading fan. That's why we can have these conversations yes. I think, at this level. But um, and so if you haven't grabbed the book, Top Grading, I've talked about it on many shows. I really highly recommend it. Check out their website, sign up for, grab as much stuff as you want. I think it's there, there's some great stuff there. And it sounds like, you know, you guys help clients to move through this process as well, right? Right. And, and totally, you know, customized because that, that really is the differentiator. Like we don't want you to Google interview, Google interview questions. We don't want you to prepare for an interview two minutes before as they're walking through the door like that's how you you ask a silly question that doesn't get you any information um and we definitely don't want you to spend time interviewing people who aren't even qualified to begin with so we really encourage um you know pre-screenings and like preliminary assessments and you know filtering out people who 
are just not qualified because don't waste your time. It's who has time. <laughs> One of the things that I found, you know, talk we you talked about Indeed, um, is Indeed has some pre-screening things that you can utilize to test some basic skills. Nothing fancy, but it's. Yeah, I'm always shocked at when I, when we've put ads out and utilized that screening process. How many people are just blanketing their resume to 40 different people, and they really don't have any thought in what they're what they're doing. And so that just helps us to weed out the people that really aren't totally serious. And we only start dealing with the ones that do that indeed process first. And yeah. it helps fun. Oh, it, it absolutely helps. I mean, and if someone is, you know, we have uh, people who uh, some, uh, we had some client that we were working for and they really need their employees to follow instructions. Like that's one of their biggest like pain points and, the biggest time, obviously, errors happen, and, and that, of course, costs money. And so um, what we said was, okay, listen, let's. this is what she did, is in the job posting, um, at, the, at the bottom of the job posting, it says, interested candidates, please email, you know, here's the email address, and the subject line should be, like, something very, it was very specific. And so when they filtered through their emails to look at applicants, they only looked at um, the candidates who did the correct um, subject title, subject line. If you couldn't read the instructions, you know, then why would I start wasting my time there? <laughs> yeah. You talked about job um, skills assessments. And so in our hiring process for my firm, um, we, you know, have utilized a really strict process. And in the last Two years, um, I hired somebody without using my process, and it cost me an awful lot of money. Gone. Got a personal relationship. <laughs> I did it based on, you know, just I knew, you know, I knew he was a good guy, and it would, I knew his career from following it from, you know, from outside. But I never went through and did the skills assessment. I never did, you know, the the the. Um, Come on, the, the pre-test work. The pre-skill, the, the pre the pre-test and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the assessments. <laughs> and and I didn't have the team sit down with them. You know, we, we didn't all interview them. And when the person came in, um, the computer skills were so unbelievably horrific. And it was just simple copy, paste, file. You know, it's things that you know you would think that anybody could do. But so now you ask, ask that person to jump into, you know, hey, can you go into the our, our CRM and make sure you're taking notes on ABC client? They don't even know how to access it. And then so it's like I kicked myself. How long? I didn't follow it. And the amount of money that it cost and the more importantly is the you know, I got egg on my face with my team and I had to go back to the team and apologize and say, I'm sorry, I, it will never happen again. They said, and they said, Mike, you're not allowed to hire the, anybody without going through the full process. And how did, um, how long did it take you to, to transition this person out of your organization? 18 months. Oh, okay. So person, it's so it, funny. It's, it's, a, it's per, oh, I knew it. You know why? Because because um, 
like business, what I found is like business owners. So you're not, definitely, you're not alone. I, I don't think that makes you feel better, but um, what, what we'll do is you'll find somebody, somebody will be a referral. They'd be like the, the relative of someone who, someone else who works in your organization who needs a summer job, right? Whatever it is. And so you skip a couple steps and you say, yeah, yeah, come on, come on high on a hire you. And that decision is like instantaneous, right? You didn't even, you didn't even bat an eyelash. And so, but then on the other end, right? As soon as you realize that this person's not working, there's like a hesitation to pull that, that trigger, right? To, to transition the person off. And that's very, like a fascinating to me because on one end, the decision was quick, but on the other it's not. And it's very, uh, and I understand, of course, coming from an HR background, like there's a little bit of risk associated um, on one end, but, uh, but shoot, like that is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I, I share that because, you know, once you build out this process, it is slow to hire, fast to fire and, and, and avoid personal relationships as often as you can, or if you have a personal relationship, then take yourself out of the hiring process. Right, right. Like have have somebody else involved there and your process should still should still let itself work, work yeah. through the process. And what's interesting is in this like recruitment world, like we both I think talked about indeed, but you know, if you're if you're really looking to to find your five your own five-star employees. You cannot just post one ad on Indeed. You know, you need to post uh, multiple jobs. You need to post them um, different locations. You need to think about implementing a referral program so that your your awesome five-star employees can refer, you know, like-minded employees. You need to think about, well, hey, how do I market my company and market myself a little bit? Can I be a guest speaker at a school? Can I go into the community, you know, library, the community center and, and get some more advocates there. Right. Um, and so there's different things that you, you, you want to try. I mean, even today I've seen, like, you've seen like these help wanted signs everywhere. Right. Um, but I mean, that doesn't mean you can't do one, just be creative and, and, and see what else you can do because you never know who's, who's looking. Right. I love it. Anything else, you know, so we, we've talked about aligning core values. We talked about, you know, doing your pre-work um, skills assessments and just, you know, other assessments um, that you might utilize, you know, and I know through the hiring process, you, you have to follow, you know, all of the Department of Labor rules, make sure that you're doing those things and that you follow the same process for everybody. Um, is there any other things that on the recruiting side before they're hired that you're saying, here's some ways, how do I, you know, I guess there's a question. How do I know that everything that this person is telling me besides doing a skills assessment, assessment, is there any other ways that you can check to say this person is telling you, you know, giving you the full picture of who they are? Yeah. I mean, I think your, um, you know, your, your, your process itself will, will be filtering out a lot of the, the candidates who, who don't work there. Um, and then, and then when you're, you know, when you're in the interview, ask the question that's important to you and be comfortable with the silence. So if somebody doesn't respond right away, 
don't try to lead them into the right direction. Don't try to answer for them. Be comfortable with the silence and let them answer the question. And if they don't answer the question, they probably don't know what to say. And you probably are indicating that maybe it's not a good fit. Yeah, I call it um, time to think. Allow somebody mm-hmm. time to think and be comfortable with that. Like you said, the silence. I love giving them time to think and see what they come back with. Um, I would also throw in and tell me, you know, I think you, like you said, you need to have your questions and the recruiting done, you know, properly. So what are some of the questions that would help to filter out whether they really are a core values fit? So if teamwork is, you know, a a core value of your company, you know, what are some teamwork questions, you know, that we can say, hey, in previous, you know, employers, tell me when a time when teamwork, you know, didn't work out and how did you handle it? What did you, you know, what is your take about it? Or, you know, those kinds of questions, right? And, and be prepared. It's not always just about their skill set and what do they bring to the table, but it's really important that they fit with the team. Yeah, you know, I for teamwork specifically, I love that that example. I, I would want to know, um, so like one, it would be as a, as a, as a business owner, you have to ask yourself, okay, well, what does teamwork mean to me, right? <clears throat> so understand what that mean, what that word means to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be asking the candidate, you know, tell me about a time you were on a team um, and ask that person to, you know, describe their leader, describe um, how a problem was resolved, maybe ask them uh, to give you an example of when um, there was a conflict, um, how did that you were part of, or maybe one that you weren't part of that you observed, and and you know you just got to get them talking about it. And the more you can have that person, you know, talk about their answer, uh, or talk about what the teamwork means, and 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 how how you can kind of gauge their authenticity, and then based on their response, um, you'll rate that response, right? So from a one to 10, um, was it, was it what you were looking for or was it not? And then you write that down and then you move on to the next, the next, um, aptitude or the next, uh, value. Love it. Yeah. So that's a really good point. So you're, you're interviewing for aptitude in that position and core values fit. So you're making sure that you're weaving both of those in there. Right. Yeah. And so like what we do for our, what we do for our clients is we work with them and we build out an interview interview packet for each role. Right. So that um, when it comes to hiring, again, you're not scrambling, you just grab that interview packet and you go. Yeah. And that's a really interesting point. I know tons of companies that have not done job descriptions or a scorecard or how they're going to you know, measure and keep people accountable for their position. If you don't have those in place, how can anybody know whether they're doing a good job or not? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you, you have to, you have to get, you know, comfortable with it and it can get comfortable with understanding where your current team is as well. So when you are, you know, starting to put some of this stuff together, you may, you know, especially for like these, the small businesses, you may have somebody who's been with you from the beginning, but their skill set may have not evolved to the level that you need it to. So you just have to be uncomfortable, you have to be comfortable trying to understand 
what your team already brings and then working through what needs to be done. So does somebody have the skill set to move forward or is it time to transition them to a different role or, or maybe even out of the organization? But you you need to understand one, what, what you need from all of your employees, you know, assessing your your the health of your business, assessing your profit levels, assessing um what you're what you need and then from there you'll be able to to find what you're looking for <laughs> great appreciate that it sounds like you have you know the all-in company has defined a process for how you're working with business owners would you mind just maybe walking through the steps if you you know if i was a new client of yours and said i'm looking to hire salespeople. Um, what would the process be like that you would take a, you know, a, a new client through? Sure. Yeah. So first um, we, you know, the way that our program works is it's a, our flagship program is a recruiting and re- recruiting, hiring, and then retaining. And so we work with, um, we, in this like program, we work with um, each business owner and we build this like arsenal of um, assets. And so each asset is a, is a different component of the, uh, that falls into either recruitment, re, um, hiring or retention. So for like, um, for recruitment, recruitment, for example, um, we would start usually with the job posting. So we would work with, um, work with the business owner to build out their job posting. So we want to have captivating, you know, job post title. We want to have, we want to make sure the core values are there. We want to make sure that, um, things in, are included, like the salary range, the location, the part-time, like just some of the basic stuff that, um, that, you know, maybe you include, maybe you don't. Um, and we work with them to, uh, to outline, you know, let's, let's capture the three to five key responsibilities as well as the success metrics. So not only sharing in the job posting, what your, the responsibility is, but what does success look like in that role? So again, and and when you start getting this detailed in the job posting, people, five-star employees will see that and love the challenge. And they're like, oh yeah, I can do this. People who are, are kind of average or one, two, three-star employees, B players, C players, B players, <laughs> they'll, uh, you know, they might just be turned off by this level of detail. So maybe they're not a fit anyway. Yes. Um, so job posting is usually the first place we start when we're talking in recruiting. Uh, when we're talking about hiring, the first place um, we like to start is cre- we want to create this amazing wow onboarding process, right? So we we tend to so we want to we work with them to build out you know their first day of employment. We build out the um, the employee welcome kit. So uh, so those are things that we we work with our clients on. Um, for each role, you know, in their organization. And then when we move into retention, we really talk about, um, you know, what an organization needs to to retain five-star employees. And that's all about, you know, giving the psychological ownership that's to each employee. That's really about um, providing recognition and, and building that community. And so we have, um, you know, different, different ideas and different ways to do that. And a lot of, um, there's a lot of collaboration with us and as well as with other like-minded, you know, entrepreneurs who, who are all on the same page. And, uh, 
and we love it because you know we we believe that all of us are smarter than one of us and and we love working together and hearing each other's ideas and what's working and um and it's great nice um talk about on um, let's talk about some more about, about retention um you're going to work super hard right now especially to get people into your organization once you have a five star you know employee once you have an a player on your team what are some of the things that turn let, let's let's phrase it like this what are some of the things that turn a players off or five star five star employees away from you know your organization where where do they get disenchanted you know, um, one of the biggest things is, you know, and you know this firsthand is your five-star employees want to work with other five-star employees. So you really want to work on protecting that culture that you have. Um, and that means, you know, being that gatekeeper and, and one trying, you know, make, making an effort not to keep, to keep those subpar employees, those average people out of your organization. So because five-star employees like to work with other five-star employees. Um, and they want to, people who, who wanna be accountable, who like to communicate, who receive feedback well. So, and those who are who don't do that, it's, it's very frustrating to, to work with that person. So five-star employees will leave and go find another organization um, to work with. Um, and, and you wanna you know, make sure your employees are engaged. And one thing, um, one thing you can do is is roll out an engagement survey. So you can send out an engagement survey to your team, and it's all about asking the right question. And so one of you know when I, I was doing some research about uh, about engagement survey questions, and one of the ones I just came across was, "Do you have a best friend at work?" And I thought that was such a clever question. So, um, and the results, of course, yielded that those who had a best friend at work were more likely to stay with that organization because it it captured the sense of community and it captured the level of comfort um, that people want in from their organizations. And you got to think about this, right? You're, the time that you're at work is a time that you are typically, most people are away from their family. So they're just looking for another community, right? Yeah. Isn't that what everybody wants? Like you have a community with your family, you have a community maybe at your, your yoga class, but I mean, where's your community at work, right? Uh, 100%, I am thinking of um, the, every, a lot of people are familiar with NPS, mm -hmm. uh, the net promoter score. Which yeah. I think you can do that with employees as the, you know, the-, the yeah. e would you NPS. recommend, would you recommend an employee working, your friend to work here? Yep. Yep, and, and if you know what that number looks like, then you can start to say, okay, we've got some work to do, or we're in the right neighborhood. What do we do to make sure that we keep this, you know, employee, you know, the EMPS at the level that it's, you know, that we're at that to me, if you have an HR person that works within the company, that EMPS, it's kind of their job to make sure that, you know, we keep those things going in the right direction. And that will force them to make sure that there's bringing in other five-star or A-player employees, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, and if you, if you, you know, if you do roll out an, an, an engagement survey and you find 
less than favorable results. I mean, it's it's something for you to work on, right? You evaluate what you have and and you create come up with a plan to to make it to make it better. And I feel like even by you know asking the questions and then acting quickly on them. So, you know, sharing the results with your team, letting them know like this is kind of what we're working through. This is in the pipeline. Um, and being open about that. I think people appreciate that because they they see a path forward. So I don't think anybody expects perfection all the time. They just want, you know, like every relationship, there's ups and downs. So, you know, let's just let's just be transparent about it. Let's let's talk through it. Right. And people, well, people, go, no, go ahead. I was going to say people just don't want to be in the dark. <laughs> it helps to build trust, transparency. Builds trust. And when people trust you, they will go to bat for you 10 times more than if they don't. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, what else? What, what, what haven't I asked you that I should ask you? You know, um, I would say uh, one of them, uh, a common question I get to today is how do I, you know, become that employer of choice? And so, um, and I think it's going to start by by having the right people. I think it's all about the people because the people is it is going to be what attracts other great people to your organization. And I mean, you want to create a onboarding experience that your that you know the person who, the person your new hire runs home and tells their spouse about oh my God, I had such a great first day and, and so excited and I have such great people. I'm so excited to be here. And, and that's the kind of buzz that you want to create. And if you're, if you're doing anything less than that, you're, you're risking this, this new person leaving as well as, um, you know, other people. Yeah. No, I think that's a, I think that's a great one. It's that, that buzz means an awful lot. You know, if you don't, if you don't come away from your first day saying, oh, I had a great first day, what's the future looking like? <laughs> right. I mean, and it's, it's so difficult and you, you always have to keep your, your, your people engaged. Like I've, I don't know if this has happened um, to you or any of the, the people that you work or work with, but I've had so many clients tell me that they had a candidate and the person just not showing up for interviews, not showing up for their first day. And it's, it's, it's insane a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, and, the, <laughs> and the fact, you know, what's happening, I think for a lot of people is because they are struggling to find people is they're, they're allowing maybe some people that a year ago or four years ago, they wouldn't have ever let in the door. They're allowing them to come in because they're just, want a body to fill in, you know, put in the seat. Um, right. I think Jim Collins wrote the book, Good to Great. And he talks about to find the right seats. What are the right seats that you need to be, to have filled to run your company properly? Then it's who are the right people to go into those seats and then make sure that those right people, you know, those five-star A players are doing the right tasks, right? Mm -hmm. Right thing. And, and if you can get really clear about that, those things, within the company and you have a great recruiting and hiring process, it will help you to retain, you know, all the right people over a long period of time. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I have a, a client right now that comes to mind that 
I know that at the core is this really great corporate culture because there are people that have been there, you know, two generations or multiple family members working in the same business. So they, you know, they there's there's that core is right there. But then because there's so many employees today, there are definitely some B or C players on the team. And that causes all of the friction in the company. It slows everything down where if they just said, okay, you know, fire fast, get rid of them. Let's yeah, cause they're going to be more, they're going to be happier someplace else. That's the, the truth of the matter. Right. I mean, the thing is like, if, if you have, when you have a five-star employee, they're a five-star employee for your organization. And if they're truly does, don't have the passion and don't have the, the drive and they don't love what they're doing, they're probably not happy themselves. And what, and, and that's okay, right? You just got to realize that it's not worth your bottom line. It's not worth keeping your employees unhappy and it's not worth risking your, your five-star employees, you know, retreating and, and leaving, leaving to go somewhere else. You know, you have to be comfortable with, that with recognizing that some people are maybe just not a fit anymore. And especially in um, businesses as they scale and as they grow, some people just don't grow with that organization. So they had a skill set that was very, very, um, that is very helpful, but it needs to evolve and grow with the organization. And if it doesn't, then then what are we going to do? What's, what's the solution for that person? So it's either a different role it's or it's um transitioning out because the, we don't have a role here that that really works for you um and there's nothing uh nothing wrong with that in the sense that you don't have to make it make that experience when you transition somebody out of your organization you don't need to make it awful you don't need to to you know you know be um not talk to them anymore, you can still give them and set them up for success, right? You can create transition packets, you can work with them for, you can provide job placement services, you can provide them um, like a, a review of, of their resume, you can prepare them. Um, like what we do is, you know, here is everything, uh, here's a little summary of your job. So you can just take this and place it right there on your resume. So you know, you're ready to go. Cause those are something that was as a practical, helpful thing that you can give someone who's transitioning out. You know, if you're, are you, are you, what, what's your, what's your decision on references? Like, can you just provide a reference letter, right? Like if that's something that you want, if it, you're comfortable doing. So you can think through these different elements and, and make this transition process better. Yeah. I I think that's a great point that we forget that the organization may have changed and that person that was great when you had 20 employees may not be so wonderful now that you've got 40 because of the where they sit in the team and the skill set that they have you know the person that helped you to get to where you are may not be able to help to get you where you're going and it's okay to reassess people um and there may be another spot on your team to say hey you know what you grew up you know as the manager of that division and when we were only doing x y and z that was great. But now that we need these other skill sets are more important as that manager, would you be comfortable, you know, supporting a new, you know, the, the new vice president of whatever, you know, mm -hmm. in, in, in that role. 
And some people will be able to make that change and say, you know what, that's an honest conversation. And it was difficult to hear, but I know that there's a lot of truth. And I would probably be happier if I was just doing the part that I wanted to do originally. And I'm happy to support, you know, you in a new hire and make sure it's somebody that, you know, we can work with together and help grow the company. Yeah. I mean, and consider like, you know, um, and consider part-time work. So maybe that's an avenue that is, if it works within for your, your business, of course, then, you know, consider it for certain roles as well. It may be more efficient too. I think this has been great. I think we covered an awful lot of territory. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you for help in, you know, their recruiting, you know, hiring and retaining process, looking for five-star employees, how do people get in touch with you? How do they find you? Yeah, you know, um, you can always send me an email. So it's just um, henal at the allincompany.com. And I'll, we'll, of course, just add that to the show notes. And you can um, check out our website if you want to learn more about five-star employees. And that's fivestaremployees.com. Fivestaremployees.com. I love it. Yeah. Thank, thank you for joining us today. This has been great. Um, my name is Michael Columbus. You've been listening to the Family Biz Show. I'm in Rochester, New York with Family Wealth and Legacy. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you listen in on the next episode. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.